Cade Mila Falchigalair, welcome to Irish Tales Podcast. My name is Geraldine and I will be reading you Irish stories and fairy tales. Shanachie, Irish for storytellers, are revered members of Irish society who come from a long line of storytelling. Originally, the Shanachie were servants to the chief of the tribe and kept important information for their clan. Storytelling exists not only to tell a good story around the fire, but to pass on a family's history, heritage and stories. Some may be a little more embellished than others. Today's story is The Children of Lear. It was in the time of legends and heroes when the Tuatha Dé Danann had determined to go to, into their deep halls beneath the hills and mountains of Erin the Green, that the Dog the Moor had fallen at the Second Battle of Moy Tura. With his slaying, a new leader had to be elected, and that was decided by the Tuatha to be the Red Crow, Bod Derek. Now the Bod wasn't without his rivals, fierce and powerful lords in their own right, chief among whom was Lear. So to keep the peace and ensure goodwill, Bod decided to marry his daughter to Lear. Their marriage was a happy and fruitful one, and all the people rejoiced at the beauty of the children of Lear and Eve. They had four children between them, daughter and son, Fanula and Aid, as well as the twins, Fiacra and Con. But their happiness wasn't to last long, for Eve, daughter of the Red Crow, died suddenly. Great was the grief of her children and her husband. Their weeping could be heard across the land, so Bod decided it would be in the best interest of all concerned if his daughter Aoife was to marry Lear instead of his lost Eve. Such was the custom in those ages long gone, and for the most part it worked out. But Aoife had a dark reputation and was rumoured to be on good terms with certain ancient powers, who shall remain unnamed for it's not wise to speak of such as those, even in passing. Although quick to anger, she nonetheless found love in her for Lear and his children, until a worm of jealousy slowly began to gnaw at the apple of her heart. For what young wife wants a husband more devoted to the children of another than to her? And Lear loved his children greatly, spending as much time as he could with them. As time passed, her envy grew until she eventually made the decision she had to do away with the children. But accursed are those who slay their kin, even if only by marriage, and she didn't much like the idea of being haunted by four young ghosts for the rest of her years. So she consulted her deep, dark pool under the shadowy willow until the answer bubbled up to her from the Stygian depths. Round and round she danced under the sickle moon and her spells were made ready. In her wickedness she told the children, the eldest of whom was only eight years old and the youngest con but a babe as yet, that as the day was hot, it would do no harm to go for a cooling dip in the lake. So up they climbed into her chariot and away they went from the palace of Lear. Across rutted track and over dusty field they bounced 
and even with the malice in her heart, Eva saw that the children were beautiful, with skin as pale as milk and eyes as blue as sapphires. Musical were their voices as they laughed and played, all unaware of the dark fate fast approaching. When they got to the lake and went swimming, Aoife at last played her hand, and with a cackle she worked them her malice and touched the tip of her twisted blackthorn wand into the waters, calling on the quicksilver spirit she had bound to herself to transform the young ones into beasts of the wind, for it was the air she feared more than anything else and could imagine no worse fate than to float forever adrift without anchor or path. With its thunderous sound, as though two rivers had crashed together, the waters arose and drank the children down. And when they came up again, they were children no longer, but swans. Her dark magic took hold, but not deeply enough. For their blood, like her own, was of the eldritch druids, and so they kept their voices and could speak the tongues of men. No longer human, but not struck dumb either, they clamoured to know their fate. Aoife smiled her sharp smile and said to them, Three times a hundred years shall you live on this lake, and three times a hundred on the sea of Moyle, and three times a hundred at Inishglora on the far western ocean. No power of mine or yours will undo this enchantment. You shall be as you are until you hear the ringing of the Christian bell and speak to the one called Quavog, who comes in the name of the light. And in this she displayed her prophetic prowess as well, knowing of Patrick's coming long before his birth. Many truths and futures did she see in her dark pool, but not that Lear himself would chance by the lake that very day. And so he came, the father of the children, and heard the swans singing sad songs in sweet voices. Astonished, he cried, how came you by these voices and can speak the tongue of men? The swans replied sadly, But father, we are your children, and have been done unto the forms of birds by your new wife Aoife. Our childhood's over, and here we must stay. They did not weep, for of course swans cannot, but Lear wept bitter tears, thinking of his children, and even the youngest, only babes. He took his sorry tale of woe to Aoife's father, for he dared not challenge her by himself, and the red crow was furious. In his rage he called for the warriors to bring his daughter before him in a silver net that she might not turn into a fish and flee down the river. And summoning all of his mystical energy, he said to her, You shall envy those children you're so accursed in your vain jealousy, for I know you as only a father can, and I will give you what you fear the most forevermore. They will escape in the end, but not you. And with that, Aoife was transformed painfully into a demon of the airs and banished into the mists. Her nightmare made life for all eternity by her own deeds. And some say she still haunts the dark places of Ireland, seeking to do mischief to those who listen too closely to the whispering wind on dark nights. Lonely, their father sat by the lake day after day, listening to the voices of the children he would never hold again, until a party of travellers came upon him and heard the rich, beautiful voices of the swans singing. They were struck with wonder and filled with a great calm, sitting by Lear until the sun set. 
They left that place and quickly told others, and the fame of the swan spread throughout all the land. For 300 years, people came from far and wide in Erin to hear the melodies across the waters of the lake. And although in other places, castles were built and fell, wars were waged, villages and settlements established and abandoned, peace reigned supreme while the swans sang. This is why even today it is forbidden to kill a swan in Ireland. But after three centuries had passed, the children of Lear went to the storm-wracked sea of Moyle to fulfil the second of their woes. A dark and dreary place it was, and often the howling wind was so fierce that they were driven apart, so they swore to one another to meet up at the jutting rock called Carignarone, should they get separated. It was a chilly and lonely place, with no audience for their songs, and when the ice came to the rock, their skin and feathers froze to the stone, only peeling off painfully when they went into the water. Lacking fire or shelter, they huddled beneath one another's wings, and 300 years is a long time to spend living like that, I don't mind telling you. Then on a bright spring morning, they chanced to spot a shining company of bold warriors on horseback riding to the shore. Fair of face they were and mighty of arm, and the swans recognised them as their own people, the Tua had Daydanan. Shouting out glad greetings to one another, the chief of the Tuaha party said he'd been sent to find them and check they were still all right. There was nothing he admitted he could do for them, but he shared the cold comfort that some day their sorrows would pass and went on his way. When the time came, Fanula sang out that their second sadness was finished and they flew over land and water to the third and final place where they were to live out their days. On the cold and barren island of Inishglora, they dwelt around a salt pool and a sailor or fisherman might chance upon them as he went about his daily business, seeing in the distance beautiful white wings or hearing the echo of a lonely song. After 300 more years had passed, almost a thousand in total, the children of Lear took flight and thought to visit the home of their father in Fanaha, but found it a tumbled ruin. The once splendid palace where laughter and merriment had danced like tinkling sparrows was no more and the people had left. Struck with sadness, they knew they were to be alone and flew higher and higher into the blue sky until in the farthest distance they heard a bell's chime. They followed the sound to the home of a man called Quay Vogue, and as they flew, the evil spirits that Eva had bound to her will fled in terror, for Quay Vogue was one of the first to help spread Christianity throughout Ireland. Quay Vogue was a kindly and gentle sort who looked after them for the last years of their time. And then they heard the thunder of hooves outside, and a well-built man in armour and jutting beard burst in, demanding the swans for himself. He was the king of Connacht, he said, and it was the custom in those days for kings and princes to hunt and capture mystical creatures for their own benefit. With many an oath and dark threats, he laid hands upon the swans, but the bell tolled again. With that the waters rose and the last of their terrible enchantments were taken back into the underworld. A great mist enveloped the swans and they became as children's once more. The warrior stood back aghast and fled as the weight of the children's years came upon them all at once. Quavo quickly baptised them before they could die 
and their name and legend live on forever as the children of Lear. hope you enjoyed this reading of the children of Lear. Watch out for my next story in the week's time. Slán. <laughs>